Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, in his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom, and thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by OC4 Ventures, which is a new venture studio and fund that I'm involved with here. And we're identifying some of today's Orange County entrepreneurs who are the most promising, exciting, and in the tech community and really looking to dent the universe. And through OC4 Ventures, we'll provide them capital, we'll provide them coaching, we'll help them collide with some of the best talent in the area, and also connect them into our vibrant startup and support community here. So if you are or know one of those entrepreneurs, uh, please contact me and would love to get you involved. I'm really excited to have Don Reese here today. And before we get to hear from Don and all about her business career, as well as the amazing nonprofit that she leads, let me tell you a little bit about her. So Dawn is an author, she's a consultant, she's a mentor, she's a national speaker, and she covers a number of different areas, but she uh, is particularly focuses on things like board governance, strategic planning, fundraising, and creative youth development. And for the last 10 years, she's been with an organization here called The Wooden Floor, and most of those uh, she's served as the CEO. And I'll let her tell you much more about the organization and its mission and impact it's having. Um, but what she probably won't share, so I will, is that she and this organization have been lavished with recognition and honors for the great work that she and, and they are doing. Um, she was named a 2019 Women Breaking Barriers Award winner. She was a 2018 Founders Award from the Institute for Community Impact, 2016 Center for Leadership Award for Innovation from Cal State Fullerton, and a Difference Makers Award from the Santa Ana Chamber of Commerce. And those are just a few of the accolades uh, that she's received. She's also been invited to be a part of a number of other boards. Um, they want her energy and impact just like she's providing to the wooden floor. And so things like 1OC, which is a really exciting and, and important organization here in our community, Santa Ana Chamber of Commerce, the Board of Advisors at the Mahalo College at Cal State Fullerton, and the Orange County uh, Business Council Latino Education Attainment Committee. Uh, the Wooden Floor has also been awarded, which I always am keen to pick up, as one of the best places to work in Orange County as well. So we'll talk a little bit about culture, hopefully, today and how important that is to uh, achieving mission and impact. Dawn and I really began our bond uh, because her innovative spirit, uh, kind of like mine, started early in her career, and she started in the technology industry. And, in fact, she was deeply involved. We were just talking uh, before the show about the dot-com era, which we both uh, were fortunate to be a part of, and many of the audience were not, but um, we were, she was deeply involved in what used to be called the Technology Council of Southern California, actually used to be called the Software, Software Council. Council. And when I first moved here about 20 years ago, she was involved in that. So we'll talk a bit today about that transition she made from the technology world to the nonprofit world and, and what she's drawn from uh, to her work at the Wooden Floor. 
she also, uh, as a guest, continues this recent trend that we've had of people with leadership positions in their college Greek uh, fraternities <laughs> and sororities. So I'm going to probably have to, off the air, study what it is about uh, signing up to be a chapter president, <laughs> as I was as well, mm-hmm. and that influences you in life. But Dawn, it's, just, it's such a pleasure and great to have you here today. Thank you so much, Carrie. I'm really happy to be here, too. Well, let's get to the starting line. So I didn't want to steal your thunder. So please give the audience uh, an overview of The Wooden Floor and the work that you do. Thank you. So The Wooden Floor was founded in 1983. We So we're celebrating our 37th anniversaries Amazing. next year. Um, so we actually today are transforming the lives of young people in low-income communities through the power of dance and access to higher education. Mm. And we do that through a really integrated approach of um, – ballet and modern dance, but we we believe that through the modern dance approach that we have, we really instill in the children innovation, discovery, and exploration, which then leads to those 21st century skills that students need today around collaboration, um, communication, creative thinking. And today, 100% of our students since 2005 have graduated from the wooden floor. Our graduates have immediately enrolled in higher education. That's amazing. For the last 15 years. And so what we see today is that our students are really change agents and um, influencers today in our Orange County, but across the nation. We right now have 165 alumni going to colleges and universities right now across the nation as well. Wow. So what what does the program actually look like for one of the students uh, when they, when you know, how start. they get involved and, and what, what they experience during the I'm guessing several years that they're involved before they transition out. So the students are with us for up to 10 years wow. from third grade all the way through high school. So we offer them uh, dance education with academics, academic tutoring and services. Um, and then we also offer them college and career readiness and social services because they're all low income in our community. Um, it's really important that we help the parents also navigate the, the challenges that they face due to poverty. The children don't know they're in poverty mm. they just know that their families hustle and <laughs> make mm-hmm. things happen for them mm-hmm. and everyone else in their community you know so for us it's really setting a big bold vision for them day one so we tell them they're the class of 2029 mm. this is a year of graduating high school and going to college and uh, we've been successful in meeting that um, today we also have two locations i should have mentioned earlier in santa Ana, we just opened our second location so today we serve 475 children wow. from elementary middle to high school and helping those children really navigate those transitions between um, elementary to middle middle to high school also because we have this honor to be with them and then also we're scaling our model nationally so our first licensed partner is in washington dc and that really came out of my work um earlier in my career around um IP and learning about mm. um, that there's intellectual property and everything. Mm-hmm. And I found one of the best intellectual property attorneys in uh, Orange County with Rattan and Tucker, mm. Hani Sayed. And uh, he did all the work pro bono for us to ensure that we've actually now federally copyrighted our um, theory of change and everything we do with our model. That's really exciting. So what is it? Let's go get into that IP. I think that's uh, a great comment that you made that there's IP in everything. Right. And you know, there's there's know-how and and there's true protection from copyright and trademark, even patentable uh, process and and invention. What is it about the 
process or the the you know the work that you do that you feel like is really unique? So it's really the combination of our model using dance education with academics and college and readiness and the social service component. Mm-hmm. A lot of organizations um, in youth development may just focus on one element of that, so mm-hmm. education, or they'll focus on um, higher ed, or they may mm-hmm. focus, but using all three in the component that we do, plus the different um, curriculum that we have for each of our Focus areas of the organization are all integrated. So we have a theory of change that we've copyrighted, and um, only about 50, sadly, only about 52% of nonprofits have a theory of change. Wow. And what a theory of change basically is your, I call it our business plan, says mm-hmm. how we're going to get from A to Z in a mm-hmm. child and a family's life. And if, if we don't know that, how are we going to help sure. others understand that? Our, our funders, our, our staff, <laughs> our board members. So we're all aligned to that theory of change. Mm. So let's let's go a little bit under the the hood on that. So how has that theory of change evolved over the 37 or almost 37 years now? So when the organization was first founded in 1983, it was founded by a sister of St. Joseph of Orange. And um, her her goals were um, fairly um, uh, simple in a a way was that um, she wanted to help kids stay off the streets one summer um, out of poor behavior, you know, drugs, alcohol um, and uh, and gangs. That was a very prevalent there in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So she created this after-school summer intensive. And at the end of the time, the children didn't want to go back to their everyday lives and asked her if she would continue. And she's like, well, let me see what I can do. Went to the, the order, Sister St. Joseph of Orange. They said she could start the nonprofit on her own. So she was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she had to bring together a board of directors and started from scratch. But then we were only serving maybe then about 40 or 50 students, but it still was a mm-hmm. lot. We had to, she had to fund, personally fund it like any entrepreneur. And um, but then what happened was in the, I would say probably in the 90s, there was really a focus on high school graduation in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. And she started seeing her students really needing help graduating um, high school. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have those wraparounds yet. And so in 99, we built our building in Santa Ana. We had a campaign that raised about then $6.5 million wow. to build our custom 21,000 square foot building. And that's when the dreams of these wraparounds started happening because they were happening organically. Mm-hmm. Kids would come to her around tutoring or needing help to get to college or having some trouble. Because she was a nun, so they would also come to her with challenges going mm-hmm. on at home. Mm-hmm. But she needed help. You know, she needed a, an organization around her. And so it was wasn't really until um, 2009 when I started um, that she she retired and the board really wanted to formalize the organization, um, take it to where we are today, um, where we have codified our theory, theory of change. We've aligned all of our organizational goals towards um, college college and career readiness hmm. and making sure that we, we provide the opportunity for all of our children to access higher education. Even though we have been very fortunate with 100%, um, it's very still very difficult. You know, we have a few students that mm-hmm. we need to mm-hmm. <laughs> nudge, <laughs> and they do. They, they see the nice community college for them because sometimes a light bulb goes off for them sure. in community college. So really, we've been really responsive to community need. That's really the hallmark of the wooden floor. Um, my, you know, from the, you know, 1983, the 90s, 2000s, and today where we are. Um, we're really responding to um, the, the, the increased challenges around poverty that our children face in the county. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a great story in here. I, you know, as I, we were talking about off the air, I started Accelerate OC to really pull together the innovative 
people here in Orange County, and I would characterize you as as one of those for sure. And, and taking what, as you said, started as a fairly simple entrepreneurial vision of I just want to try and help these kids, kids <laughs> and now has a licensable theory of change and and system that you're you're taking to other communities. That's very innovative. But the, but the vision, I'm sure, and the ambition even has evolved. Yes. As as the organization, and I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs should understand as well. I get a lot of people that will come to me as as a advisor or investor, and and will provide this grand vision of of change in the world that they're trying to have, but. They have to start with something smaller to ever get to that. Right. Was there a, a grand vision or have you seen that vision? Long-winded way to get to a question. Have you seen that vision and ambition change over the, the years as your time there? And, and you know, the, you talked about really codifying everything. Right. You know, where where is the organization today as you as you think about the next five to ten years and and where you the wooden floor can go because clearly there are more people here in Orange County that you can serve as yes. well as right. nationally right so we've really took it well let me go to the beginning part so I think it evolved from you know helping kids after school in a in a small dance program mm -hmm. then it as it moved in the 80s and 90s it was really about using what we call wraparounds in the nonprofit sector those systems that help support the student's mm -hmm. journey the goal in the in the 90s was just um, high school graduation and then in 2005 when we had our first class graduate 100% go to college that really then set the glimmer of could mm. this be possible but it really wasn't until 2009 when we really formalized that as an organizational goal um, I don't say it's a child goal um, the child goal is for them to reach their full potential and we mm. hope that's positive decision making mm -hmm. and one of them is college yeah. um, but so we don't put that pressure on the student um, we do let them know the other stories it's pulses um, stories of other children that have done it so mm -hmm. they know they can to their peers and so we really story tell to the children as well but so where we are today it's really around prudent growth and I, I know we talked about what's prudency but it's really like making sure that we're not growing for growth sake sure. and so locally the goal is to grow in a, an approach that we actually are pre-funding growth that's something I learned mm -hmm. from the um, uh, innovation, you know, or software and, and um, high tech industry, I should say, is, you know, you see a lot of organizations grow, they get funded. And what happens mm -hmm. two or three years later, sure. they're 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 hitting the um, the divot. And for me, I just didn't want to do that for us. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is we're pre-funding each location before we grow up to about three million dollars. And that's for 10 years of operating add wow. 100 more children. So we just did that for our second location. And now we're currently working on a third location in Santa Ana. And right now that's our plan. We just want to have, and for us, it's not just because three locations when we only had one up until that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, 2018 from uh, from 1999 is huge. And then the other is is that um, uh, this plan for scaling growth nationally is coming out of uh, the fact that we don't we really want to have a controlled brand here in Orange mm -hmm. County for today. Um, but the idea is by scaling is that we can then license our model to another nonprofit who knows their community. Mm -hmm. has their own brand, has their own funding streams. They govern and program the organization in that community. So in Washington, D.C., City Dance Dream is currently implementing. They signed the agreement in 2015, and um, today they're just implementing because it took them a while to get themselves... <laughs> 
organized and mm. ready to launch. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just was out there last um, in September. And I used to say to people that our model, what we were trying to affect, I, maybe I'd never meet those children that are going to benefit mm -hmm. from the wooden floor. But actually to go, we went to a site visit. We saw them with our three dance studios and their mm -hmm. education space. And they're running our model just as we do here. And I got to meet those children. And to know that... Um, that they're benefiting from the work here is very powerful Oh, absolutely! and just very moving. You know, mm -hmm. when you put so much effort into have this vision for a licensed uh, model to actually see it in the community was pretty incredible. That's, that's a great story. So let's, let's go a, a little bit to you, Don. Uh, you, as I said, in the introduction, you started your career in the technology industry and, and felt uh, pulled into the nonprofit world. Uh, take us through that realization and, and you know, sort of your de decision making there and, and what, what you've found um, for yourself through that journey. Okay. So I take you back. I always tell you when someone asks you a question, you go all the way back, but I have to go back because sure. my goal was when I graduated Cal State Long Beach, I was, as you said, sorority president. And a friend of mine uh, who is sorority sisters, his father, um, was looking to start a company. Hmm. And uh, I needed a, a job because my current job was ending when I graduated. I was a teacher's aide and I wanted hmm. to be a teacher and a principal. Hmm. So I said to him, Well, I'll work for you, but I. Um, I'm going to go back to become a teacher and principal. And he said, of course, of course. Well, I didn't know who he was. He's, he, at the time, and he, he passed a few years ago, but he was a management guru, a leader, a visionary. Mm -hmm. He ran, he had a company called Randall Data. And I learned so many things from him. And one of it was that he, he took a company public and it went bankrupt a few years later because he launched a product in the middle of the the, you know, the launch of the company mm. at the same time. And he said, you just cannot chase two rabbits. You mm. have to stay focused on what you're doing. And, and that was one of my first life lessons of him. And he um, basically was a Druckerite before <laughs> anyone else was. Mm -hmm. And he was in, in tech, and Vist which is now Vistage. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like I got an MBA from him. So I was a psychology major coming out of college. And through him, I was trained in finance, org, org development, um, strategy, business development, marketing. And what a so I, gift. It was. It was, like I said, a, a, a pseudo MBA. And and I was with him for 10 years. And during that time, he said he wanted to start um, a trade association for the technology sector. And he wanted me to figure it out. That's how he was. He would mm. just throw me these projects and <laughs> I would end up um, taking them on. And so I said, at the time, there's only three of us in the nation. There was... Um, WSA, which was um, funded through Microsoft, um, the up in the Bay Area, there was a tech organization, and then one in Massachusetts. And then we'd have to talk at the time via fax. So that tells you how long <laughs> ago it was. There was not even internet then. And you know, it's, today it sounds like I'm archaic and a dinosaur, but um, it just technologies move so mm -hmm. fast. But one of the things that I loved about um, the company was while I didn't work in tech space, I was always around entrepreneurs who came into our office or we'd go to their office. And I just loved the energy, the um, enthusiasm, the no heart, you know, uh, just always looking to the future, very optimistic. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then this innovative cycle of just continuous improvement, which we had at the organization as well as with our clients. So 
fast forward is that he asked me to start the council, Software Council of Southern California. I was the first executive director, and uh, we grew that eventually into five regional um, chapters. Mm-hmm. And um, I came back to the council after I started it. Um, I was volunteer because Randall donated my time. Mm-hmm. And then um, at one point during the dot-com, I call it dot-com crazies. <laughs> that's when it was like the gold rush yes. days. If you, if for those out of there who don't know, that's how it felt. Yes. And money was just flowing. Deals were happening. And they brought me back in to be there for all the members and all the new members coming in. And um, that was at a point at the same time where Suffer Council started, um, uh, the, the whole economy started struggling in 2002. And I ended up leaving me in the council. And I was at this position where um, I could easily have um, gone into for-profit. And I was at this place of what did I like about working Mm -hmm. in nonprofit? What I like about starting a nonprofit, serving mission-oriented type work. Mm -hmm. And I really just did a deep dive of myself for about a year and just tried to figure that out. And I had the luxury of that, too, because my husband's business, he's an, he's an illustrator. He was mm-hmm. doing really well, so I could stay home and really take that time to really figure that out. And so when I went in my next course, I decided to look in the nonprofit sector and really see if I could bring my business strategy mm-hmm. into the sector. And uh, when I started working for Opera Pacific in 2004... I still wasn't 100% sure. I felt I was in a finance role, and I felt like I could go either direction. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it wasn't until I went to a program called Fieldstone Leadership Network. It's Mm -hmm. a nonprofit leadership program here we have in Orange County. And I took that, and I saw like-minded people around the table. Mm -hmm. When I saw like-minded innovators, leaders, strategists, I'm like, okay, this is the place I can Mm -hmm. be and and add um, and bring my, like you said, enthusiasm for helping people in a strategic way, you know, so. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that story. So as you think about that now, you've been at at Wooden Floor, as I said, for almost 10 years. How do you hold yourself accountable to make sure that you're continuously thinking and being an innovator? So I have an executive coach um, mm. that I've had with Vance Caesar. I know some people who are listening maybe know him. Um, he's uh, I've been with him since 2013. Um, I'm in leadership programs myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you said I'm I mentor, but I also I'm I, I learn from my mentees sure. who are actually I call it reverse mentoring. Yes, um, I learn from the younger people that I'm with all the time. Social media is one that I've learned from my last mentee at Cal State Long Beach. Mm. And, you know, um, I also believe I go to um, Stanford Social um, Innovation. Um, they have an institute there where um, a nonprofit management course I try to go to. I go to all major national conferences to keep myself at the leading edge. Um, not only what I bring to it, but also what I learn from mm-hmm. others. I'm a learner at heart. Yeah, I could tell that, that uh, notion of keeping yourself sharp and, and challenging yourself around others is a is a key theme that I think we hear uh, from several folks who have, have been through here. Yeah, and I don't feel like I have all the answers <laughs> yes. that I can learn from others, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and the as you said, the reverse mentoring, I think, is a really powerful place for people uh, at any place yes. in their career. Right. And um, there's, there's a whole movement now, especially with multi-generational workforces, yes. where the uh, the idea that startups, especially in the world I tend to live in, in the technology world, is startups is a young person's 
game, but there is clearly a role for, uh, as I'll call them, corporate elders mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, or advisors who maybe have been through the dot-com era or through other eras where there are patterns and, and um, history has a tendency maybe not to repeat itself, but similar uh, events can definitely uh, occur. Right, right. And I think um, accountability also is part of um, myself and the organization is that um, the children, you know, the work mm -hmm. we do every day keeps me super focused on mm -hmm. what we do. And if it's out, outside of the theory of change or just not aligned to what we want to accomplish, then it's just for me, it's easy to say, I just, I'm not interested in it for myself personally sure. or professionally, you know, sure. so it's that focus that yes. I think I have that um, keeps me accountable. <laughs> That's great. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Orange County, Don. You've been here for quite a while. How do you find Orange County as a place to run an organization, you know, not just even a nonprofit, but for all the, the ones that you've been involved with? How do you, how do you think of and describe Orange County as a place to 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 run an organization? So I think because of my previous background in, in for-profit as and now my nonprofit, I can, I can, I'm really fluid in both mm -hmm. part, all parts of the County. And also our model is arts, non, um, education, higher ed, mm -hmm. and also social services. So I see the safety yes. net issues too of the County. But one of the best things I'm also, I go to, all, I'm usually invited to all the major um, business conferences, mm. um, I go to every economic forecast because I was a CFO before mm -hmm. CEO. I like to see both ends of the spectrum mm -hmm. so I can do it with my planning. But um, I find um, the business leaders in the county are super optimistic, um, very collegial, um, highly networked. Um, they will open doors for anybody to um, for um, an invitation, a, um, a collaboration, um, uh, I ideas. Um, Funding, you know, the community here has a very um, corporate social responsibility focus. Mm -hmm. So the businesses for them, I would say for the large companies as well as mid-sized companies are very philanthropic, if mm -hmm. not um, also with volunteerism, board service and other places. Mm -hmm. Great, great description. That, that's, that's really helpful. And uh, I always welcome the, the various perspectives that I, I get here and you know, Orange County has been an interesting place. I've been here 15 years. A lot of people uh, that have come here from other places as well. And, you know, whether that's internationally or uh, other parts of California, uh, I, you know, there's been a lot of change here in the last several decades, growth and just change in, in right. the demographic and right. socioeconomic Population. and other. That's mm -hmm. right. So, you know, as a result of that, I, I um I always feel like we're we're naturally changing here, and it can sort of happen, or we can be more intentional about it. So, are there any things as you look out over the next several years, any trends that you see that you say, "Oh, I think we need to pay more attention to that," or else it could be uh, long-term problematic ramifications. Yes. So, I think um, there's a couple areas that we we just did a strategic visioning work for mm. our 2131 vision. Very um, cool. I like to have something teed up before our, our next mm -hmm. one's done. I plan to be here a long time yes. and I want and we're already I find with what I did also at Oak Tree, you're already working into it as mm -hmm. you've set this vision. We don't have it codified into, you know, all the specific shit. We use our strategic plans like chapters in a book towards mm -hmm. furthering that vision. But one of the things really is focusing on is um, for the business community is that there's a lot of first-generation students coming mm -hmm. out of college and mm -hmm. they're graduating yes. but it's been difficult for them to ha 
find jobs. And it's mm-hmm. not because of lack of jobs. It's really a lack of networks yes. in order to navigate into because they're now an engineer, but they don't know how to find an exactly. engin- engineering job. But it, you would say, well, why not? Well, the problem is, is that they have to work a real job while they're in college. They don't have the, mm-hmm. the luxury of an internship. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're looking at today is how to create some of these internships for our alumni who are graduating from mm-hmm. the wooden floor into some of our corporate partners and other opportunities. And I think that's a, an opportunity for the whole um, region to look at is how can companies really look at internship when they look at that on a resume and mm-hmm. maybe have another viewpoint of wow is this a first generation student who yes. couldn't get an internship maybe um, we need to look at just them working as one of those um, significant parts of that job because they still are getting a mechanical engineering degree they may not be able to work in something yes the other a great thing, example the other thing I think is more um, societal is that um, I think there's sometimes in our County, um, a tale of two cities. Yes. And there's, I think the 405 is the great divide. Mm. <laughs> and so there's a lot of people that think we don't have poverty in our own county. And um, poverty amongst um, children is up 24% just since 2010. Mm. And so um, in the low income communities, and there's poverty everywhere in the county. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that, even in Irvine and places. And so one of the things that we're really focusing on is helping others just really understand that there is poverty in the county and what they can do to really make a difference. And then the other one is really social, which I think has long-term implications to employment, is really around mental health. Mm. Um, we've done a deep dive on that. I'm also uh, chairing a subcommittee on mental health for Santa Ana um, with the Santa Ana Chamber of Commerce. And mm. um, we're really focusing right now in middle school because mental health usually was more young adult, mm-hmm. moved into high school, now is hitting middle school and even elementary school. Mm. And so those traumas that children face have long-term mm-hmm. implications to workforce development down the road. So um, there's been a really big county initiative on really working at how do we bring accessibility to health care mm-hmm. and mental health care. Yeah, that's a that's a huge topic. And I know there's, I mean, this is this is a place you look at uh, BULOC right. is a new initiative and say, okay, there's some really innovative uh, interdisciplinary and, and um, high inclusion efforts underway right. that you know, Orange County could lead the way nationally, yes. even globally right. on this topic. Right. And, and I think really it's, exciting. I think it's for us, we've been doing um, some field work and asking uh, different partners to come and be well as he's going to be coming in soon. One of the things we're really seeing, it's, it's there's the resources there, but is it the accessibility and understanding of how to navigate into those systems? Yes. Because where we're seeing it is, is really across all um, school districts, all parts of the county, but it's really also very predominant in the low-income communities. Hmm. Well, I, I appreciate greatly that you've raised the topic of uh, access and inclusion, and I think that description of a first-generation college student um, having a challenge finding that first job is a perfect example and very real and very clear, hopefully, for the audience to understand. And I see it on a number of levels. Number one is that a lot of the the more established companies here um, haven't had the kind of network into the local schools here, and they've relied on uh, a process of trying to find people that have already had one or two jobs and right. said, I'm going to hire that person that already has three years of experience. experience. And, you know, I can say very personally, I've had incredible success throughout my career in giving people that first job right. and the appreciation and the 
uh, resilience and grit and commitment that they've demonstrated right. from that has just been incredible to, to see. And, and it's very productive. And, and that idea of, you know, investing in that person um, is, is worthwhile. And so I'll, I'll go on the record and say it is, is worked for me right. far more than it hasn't. And I, I challenge and hope that more here will, um, will come to that realization and, and make those investments because you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we have this great privilege here of being in a community where we have a school like UC Irvine that now is rated number one in the country for right. first in their family to go to college. And, and by that nature, they're not going to be networked into the same networks that you and I are. And if we're not intentional about it, we're right. going to continue to propagate that tale of two cities or county uh, experiences and and that just doesn't create the level of richness and vibrance in this community that we all know we want right and I think um, you know there's I, I speak to the arts as you know one of the things um, is with Arts Orange County also is that um, really focus on the creative economy we have here and the quality of life we want to have mm -hmm. with Orange County and or in Southern California in general and that um, you know you need to invest in um, arts organizations and programming that's yes. really going to move the needle for us. Only one in 20 go into dance as a major. It's mm. today 65% of our women who are graduating are in STEM careers. That's and, amazing. And, um, and that's uh, computer science, biotech. And, and so, but they are having a hard time with an internship. So mm -hmm. I just have another story. Um, one of our board members is um, uh, director of marketing with Hydroflow and uh, her mother is also CEO of Hydroflow. It's a company out of Fullerton. And she said, you know, she was looking for some interns and she said well i'm gonna call the wooden floor so she and so we're actually testing it right now it, it's not a formal kind of program with us mm -hmm. but we're just getting feedback from her as like how our students are doing mm -hmm. are they acclimating they're doing fabulous they she came to a board meeting last week and just talked about how she's just so excited and now is going to keep it as an open pipeline for our engineers that are coming out of the wooden floor to work for it and they don't have to be just mechanical she wants them to figure it out with her you know to talk to the engineer mm -hmm. other engineers and maybe Maybe they get to the point is like maybe it's not maybe it's civil engineering or biotech or whatever but she wants them to have that first job like you said that's amazing so don i spent a lot of time on here with entrepreneurs and have had some you know incredible visionary and and successful entrepreneurs uh, in your chair over the the months that i've been doing this but many have admitted that they're just while they're building their company while they're running their organization they're just not as active in the community as maybe they could or should be mm -hmm. so what you know as somebody who is the head of a really important philanthropic organization here making incredible impact in people's lives but also multi-threaded and involved in so many other things what what advice would you give for them well, we, I, I don't want to speak for all the county, but we do see that, that the tech community isn't serving on boards or being involved in skilled-based volunteering like I think they can be. We actually are really excited. I'm not going to say the company, but we have a major company now with us, and also Edwards Life Sciences mm -hmm. is also, I don't, they know, we, we talk about them all the time, but this other company is brand new, and they're a huge tech company, um, and uh you know, that's just not as common if you think across mm -hmm. the board with nonprofit, but I think it can be. I think it's just a matter of intentionality. Like you mm -hmm. do anything, if you want to set 
set your sights on. There's a lot of resources to get connected, like through 1OC or mm-hmm. the individual nonprofits. I always tell everybody who wants to get involved in board service or governance is, or just being involved in nonprofit and volunteering is this that um, you need to just find something that you have passion and purpose for. So, you know, it might not be tech. Maybe sure. it's you love dogs, yes. you love fish, you love the environment, you love data. <laughs> Who knows what it is? You love kids, just pure kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just find your passion and purpose and really ask yourself, where do you want to be? And then it won't feel like you're taking time out of your busy life because mm-hmm. it becomes your life. Um, I'm also involved in the Institute for Community Impact. I'm on the board of directors for the Paskies Foundation. That um, institute is a is a initiative under that, and we bring business leaders and community leaders together. And I just highly encourage. Um, uh, people that are listening to go to the Paskies Foundation, they meet three times a year at the Center Club in the morning. And what's great about it is the nonprofit gives a strategic impact question to the group. Mm. They get to popcorn ideas, and it would be so great to have the tech community come out mm-hmm. and just be part of that, you know, because I think they're the number one solution providers, the tech community, sure. problem solvers, creative thinkers. Um, they, they ask the why nots, you know, mm-hmm. kind of questions of the world. And to have that dialogue and that other spec, you know, part of the sector that's not represented would just add so much to the dialogue. That's great. And and thank you for sharing a very clear uh, approach as to where people could engage. And it's, like, and it's both business and nonprofit leaders. Yes. So, and it's, the goal isn't for a nonprofit, you know, networking event. It's really a mm-hmm. business, business leader event. And that's both for nonprofit and, and for-profit sector. That's great. Well, Don, uh, I'm unfortunately I'd love to talk more and we'll find another time to do that um, Paul's giving me the the time sign over here <laughs> so we're gonna have to go to our final lap here at accelerate OC today and one of the things I always ask my guests to leave uh, some parting words you've had some great words of wisdom throughout this conversation but what's the the one key lesson or piece of advice you'd love to leave with others here that are trying to be innovators here in Orange County I think it's intentionality like i said earlier is innovation doesn't just happen it's a process (laughs) and it's easy to be complacent and i Mm -hmm. think um um, that's probably one of my things that worries me the most in life in life and in business is and um is that you just have to be very intentional Mm -hmm. and really make sure that it's a process an innovation cycle really and i believe in design thinking is really Mm -hmm. a that's really a process of empathy and understanding of yourself and others Mm -hmm. it's also a part of strategy and it's also part of um, culture and i think lastly it's also part of um, trust and so if you trust yourself and others, you're going to be very successful because you're going to have really a sense of your own intuition. And I think as an entrepreneur, it's all about intuition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great, great words of wisdom there for sure. Don, thank you so much for coming here thank today, for, for being intentional to, to come out and share more about the wooden floor and your personal journey and uh there's just so much value to be shared in in your wisdom and and leadership and and the organization that you uh, provide here uh, to our community and the impact that that you're driving you're you're definitely doing your part to accelerate oc welcome to the family thank you you've just listened to accelerate oc Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at AccelerateOC.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together. 